Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For cables, connectors, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And buy the ham station. Get your new radio or antenna by calling 800-729-4373 or go to hamstation.com. It's Ham Radio. everyone this is neil rap wb9vpg and welcome to ham talk live episode number 48 sunspot cycles with carl lutzel schwab k9 la recorded live on thursday january 19th 2017 i'm your host neil rap wb9vpg thanks for tuning in to this episode of ham talk live tonight we're joined by Carl Lutzelschwab, K9LA, who will take your questions about sunspot cycles and how they affect radio propagation. We will take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week, John Davis, WB4QDX, was here to talk about setting up a D-Star rig. We'll have uh, some more D-Star, DMR, and System Fusion shows in the future. Um, so if you missed the show um, about uh, D-Star, you can listen anytime at HamTalkLive.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or YouTube, or several other podcasting sites. Hey, congratulations to Hope Lee, KM4IPF. Uh, she had over 30,000 views on a Facebook video Um of her working the ham radio station on the set of the TV sitcom Last Man Standing. Um, so Hope just keeps getting all over the screen. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, go over to Facebook, check out the KA0XTT webpage there on Facebook, and you can watch that. Uh, one other note, we want to um, send our condolences to the family of Charlie Emerson in 4OKL. Uh, Charlie was the chairman of the Huntsville Ham Fest, and uh, he became a silent key this week. He was on episode number 27 of Ham Talk Live uh, back in August. And uh, if you tune in to Amateur Radio Newsline tomorrow, um, there'll be a special tribute uh, to the friendly ham who made Huntsville the world's friendliest ham fest. Well, we'll be back. We'll have uh, the interview with Carl Lutzel-Schwab, and you can call us with your Sunspot Cycle questions on Skype. Uh, the username there is HamTalkLive, or you can call us on 
the old telephone. The number is 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. You can also tweet us a question. Our Twitter handle is at HamTalkLive, so we'll check those as well. And I'll be back with Carl Lutzel-Schwab, K9LA, right after this word from the Ham Station, right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by the Ham Station. For over 37 years, the Ham Station has sold new and used radios, antennas, accessories, and equipment to hams everywhere. Give Dan or Jeff a call at 800-729-4373 or order online at hamstation.com. Ham Station carries all the major brands like Icom, Yezu, and Kenwood, and they have a wide selection of of radio scanners, MFJ accessories, Heil Sound products, amplifiers by Mirage and Ameritron, Kushcraft antennas, and more. Easy online ordering is at hamstation.com or call 1-800-729-4373 to place an order and talk it over with the experts. The Ham Station, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. We're not sure what's up with the fifth dentist, but four out of five dentists recommend listening to Ham Talk Live. Hey, be sure to check out thehamstation.com or give Dan or Jeff a call. 800-729-4373. They've got you covered for just about anything you need. Tell them you ter- heard it here on Ham Talk Live. We're on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Right here at hamtalklive.com. And if you missed the show, you can listen to the archive on the website or download it from most popular podcasting websites. Carl Lutzel Schwab, K9LA, was first licensed in October of 1961. With the call sign WN9AVT, uh, his interest in amateur radio came from being a shortwave listener in the 5th and 6th grades using a national NC60 with a long wire out the basement window. His amateur radio interest ultimately led to a career in electronics. His interest in propagation goes back to his college days at Purdue University, where he earned a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering in 1969 and a Master's in 1972. Carl retired in October 2013 after 41 years as an RF design engineer with Motorola and Raytheon, which is formerly Magnavox. He's authored many articles and given many presentations on solar effects on radio propagation. Uh, he and his wife, Vicki Lutzer-Schwab, uh, AE9YL, have been on several DXpeditions. He's at the top of the DXCC honor roll, having worked all current DXCC entities. Um, he's also completed DXCC on 160 and is nearing five-band worked all zones. His website contains many of his articles and tutorials that's over at k9la.us and he's also the vice director of the ARRL Central Division so Carl welcome to Ham Talk Live well hello Neil I'm glad to be here and hope I can uh, provide some good information to all the listeners yeah sure uh, we, we appreciate you uh, coming on the show and, and appreciate your uh, your help with uh, with things uh, at my school as well 
And uh, we want to start off just talking about the sunspot cycle. Um, we know from studying from the license that there's this 11-year cycle. Um, and so tell us a little more about that cycle and where we are in that cycle right now. Okay, Neil. Very good. Uh, well, we measure solar cycles uh, from solar minimum through solar maximum and then back down to solar minimum. Sometimes it's not real easy to tell when a solar minimum is because there are many things going on. Now, the average length of a solar cycle, as you stated, is about 11 years. And I, I can't uh, stress the, the fact that it's about 11 years. Uh, of the 24 cycles that we have in recorded history, uh, the uh, length varies uh, from uh, a couple years early, uh, shorter than 11 to several years longer than 11. The uh, average rise time of a solar cycle is about four years. So after hitting solar minimum, we should usually expect to see the maximum about four years later. And uh, some simple math says uh, the average descent is, there seven, is therefore seven years. So uh, what that tells us is the descent is much slower than the rise. And that's been going on for uh, at least all the 24 cycles that we have uh, recorded. Now, posted on, uh, in various places, uh, I was just looking at it on qrz.com, is uh, figure one, which I thought might help. And I'll talk about figure one. If you can view it, that's great. If not, hopefully I can explain it. What it is is just shows the uh, uh, smooth sunspot number for the last uh, one, two, three, four, five, six solar cycles. That'd be cycle 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, and 24. And that extends from about uh, 1954 up to the present date. And let me jump in here, too. Uh, if if you uh, aren't uh, looking at the uh, pictures, we also have those um, on our Twitter, so if you go to Ham Talk Live on Twitter or on our Facebook page, uh, they're there as well, as well as in that um, news post on QRZ.com. So you can try to see those uh, if you want to follow along. Yeah, well, thanks, uh, Neil, for uh, further additional information there. What we can see there is cycle 19, as maybe most of you are aware, has been the biggest one in our recorded history. Now, that doesn't say that uh, the sun has done bigger cycles before, uh, before we started even viewing sunspots. But uh, at least 19 is the biggest. Cycle 20 was kind of small, about half the size of 19. And then cycles 21 and two came, 22 came along, and they were pretty good. Not as big as 19, but they provided lots of good 10-meter openings worldwide. Cycle 23, which peaked around uh, uh, 2000, for the first peak, uh, was not too far behind cycle two, so it gave lots of good uh, uh, worldwide opportunities. And then cycle 24, if you can see the picture, it, it stands out. It's the lowest cycle uh, in our lifetimes. So uh, uh, things have been kind of going down since uh, cycle 19, and uh, maybe a little bit later we'll uh, talk about that. Uh, if you got the picture, you'll see some of those solar cycles have dual peaks. In other words, they peak the first time, then they take a little dip and then go up again. And what that is is just that the solar hemispheres aren't in sync. Uh, the sunspots in the northern hemisphere sometimes are greater, 
and that causes a, a peak. And then sunspots are in the southern hemisphere are uh, uh, just come come you know come roaring back, and that causes another peak. Interesting phenomena, and uh, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff that we won't talk about, but uh, hopefully I'll cover some of the general stuff. With cycle 24, we're in the decline. We're more than halfway down to solar minimum, which is expected to be in about 2020. Uh, and then, of course, uh, that kind of suggests that in 2024, cycle 25 will peak. Um, so that's a, that's a little bit uh, uh, background on uh, that question, uh, Neil. Okay, well, since we're... We're kind of, you know, approaching the bottom of the cycle here. We notice that the bands have been pretty bad for a while. Uh, seems like every time I, I get on Twitter, it's the bands are dead, Jim. And, you know, and, and the, the, the forecast just says, you know, band closed, band closed, band closed. So why is this one so much worse than, than normal? That's a real good question. Um, as I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, cycle 24 is the lowest one in our lifetime. And it also suggests that maybe cycle 25 is going to be low also. Now, why, uh, why is this cycle so much worse? Well, it's because for the past several solar cycle, the sun's magnetic field has been weakening. And, of course, sunspots are tied to the sun's magnetic field. And uh, the plasma flow within the sun. Uh, so that's why it's weakening. Now, we don't fully understand, uh, or at least solar scientists don't fully understand, why the sun's magnetic field is weakening, but it is. And there sure is a lot of research trying to understand, uh, you know, what solar, how, how solar cycles are generated. You know, we want to do that for, uh, to, to be able to predict future cycles because of, uh, you know, uh, space operations out there. An active sun creates more hazard to the astronauts. Uh, of course, Ham Radio was interested in, you know, what solar cycles are doing. Now, I've got uh, a figure two on there, or, uh, posted to the QRZ.com and in all the places that Neil said. And what it shows is all 23 recorded solar cycles, or 24 recorded solar cycles. And what the uh, figure shows is that the first four cycles were rather high. The next three cycles were rather low. The next four, five, six or so cycles were kind of high. Uh, then we went into a period of about four solar cycles that were kind of low. And then we hit the modern times where cycle 19 was, and that was very high. So what we've had is uh, uh, we've had... A period of uh, uh, very high solar cycles followed by a period of low solar cycles followed by another period of high solar cycles followed by another period of low and then this recent period of very high solar cycles. What that suggests is we're headed now headed for some low solar cycles, 24, 25, maybe even 26. We, like I said, we can't really predict that very well, so uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Um, uh, and uh, the, the, the solar cycles, of course, get into uh, 
how good the bands are, uh, Neil. Yeah, and that's the the next thing here is okay. So uh, the bands are dead. Uh, you know, the, the bands are are not what they uh, have been for several years. So what do we do about it? What what implications does the cycle have on trying to choose a band and, and operating times and, and and get through this low part of the, the cycle? <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, as we've uh, since we've been proceeding <coughs> on the descent of cycle twenty four. <coughs> The uh, bands have been uh, pretty bad, and the reason for that is when there are lots of sunspots, there's lots of ionization, <clears throat> mostly in the, uh, especially in the F2 region, which is generally what is used for, for long-distance communications worldwide. <clears throat> and what that means is when there's more ionization, the higher frequencies can be refracted back to Earth. They don't go through the uh, ionosphere into space to never return unless the universe is, you know, closed and folds back on itself. But we won't get into that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> hope kinda, that's not happening. Yeah. If, if you want to know more about that, uh, Star Trek episode number... Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, there, there are two things that really determine if you can have a QSO between uh, you and a target location. One is there's got to be enough ionization in the ionosphere to be able to refract the frequency you're on, to send it back to Earth so it can maybe go for another hop or uh, do something even more exotic like ducting up, up in the ionosphere. Um, the other issue is uh, uh, ionospheric absorption. In other words, I'm sure everyone's heard of the D region, and that's responsible solely for uh, loss, signal strength loss <clears throat> during propagation. So uh, it determines if you can hear that other station or not, and if he can hear you. Actually, there's really a third issue. It's called polarization, uh, you know, vertical, circular, horizontal, etc., elliptical. Uh, but that's less of a problem and it's usually not a big issue so most of the time we kind of ignore it on hf at least uh, when we get down to 160 meters it starts getting important for some uh, good physical reasons but uh, uh, like i said the polarization is not a big issue so we're not going to worry about it too much um, <clears throat> now as as cycle 24 approaches minimum we're going to have we're going to have less and less in openings on 10, 12, and 15 meters. Now, you may wonder, how can we have any less than we're having right now, right? <laughs> but <clears throat> generally, north-south propagation is uh, kind of happens on 10 meters. In fact, uh, yesterday there were a lot of South Americans on up here. I, I could hear them up here in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is up in the northeast corner of the state. <clears throat> so uh, 10 meters is not, you know, there's going to be a lot of nothing there, but at times, there could be some good propagation. And, of course, during the summer, you should always check 10 meters uh, for sporadic E. Um, that happens regardless of a solar cycle, where we are in a solar cycle. Uh, so, uh, you know, don't give up completely. Uh, you know, every once in a while, exercise those band switches. In general, of course, the uh, low bands seem to approve uh, as we approach solar minimum. Uh, but recently, there have been some you know, 
interesting questions about this conventional wisdom. Um, <clears throat> many people have expected the low bands to be a lot better than they uh, appear to be, and trying to figure out why they're not as good um, is kind of interesting. So uh, who knows? Maybe uh, we'll learn something as we go through this solar min period. But I think the general takeaway is just uh, uh, for the next several years until cycle 25 gets going, uh, there's going to be few openings in the high bands, and most of us are going to be uh, real, uh, beyond the uh, low bands, you know, 17, 20, 30, 40, 80, and 160. Uh, 20 and 17 will probably be still be pretty good throughout the solar min period. Of course, they won't be as good as at solar max, but they'll still be worldwide DX opportunities. 40 and 30 ought to be really, really good, and uh, hopefully 80 and 160 will pick up. So. Um, for the next couple of years, move down in frequency is the advice. All right. Very good. That's, that's what I'm hearing is 160. <laughs> and, uh, um, I can kind of cheat with my antenna and get 160, but, uh, that takes some, some wire. So you may want to think about that, uh, that 160 antenna. Well, we're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to take your phone calls. So uh, get ready to call in. Uh, the number is 812-NET-HAM-1, and I'll be back to take your calls with Carl Lutzel-Schwab right after this message from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you in part by Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics has been the Ham's dime store since 1978. When you need connectors, mobile and handheld antennas, cables, or adapters, visit Scott or Jill at a HamFest near you. Or you can order online at pl-259.com or call 920-435-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL-259 and end connectors, SMA adapters, audio cables, soldering supplies, mobile antennas, and ham sticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even used on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics carries MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman, and HamPro products. And don't miss their 0% off sale going on now. Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com. Proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Hey, baby. I'd love to be in your grid square. Join the conversation. Call us on voice with Skype at Ham Talk Live or give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show yet again tonight uh, to help bring you Ham Talk Live. They're back on the road. They'll be at the Fort Myers, Florida, and St. Charles, Illinois Ham Fest this weekend. And uh, Collinsville, Illinois, and Arcadia, Florida next Saturday. Or you can call them at 920-435-2973 or visit them online at pl-259.com. Tell them you heard it on Ham Talk Live and be sure to listen to Ham Talk Live Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here on HamTalkLive.com. Also check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Just search 
for Ham Talk Live. So now it's time for your questions. So if you have a question for Carl Lutzelschwab, K9LA, call 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Go ahead and call that right now. 812-NET-HAM-1. Now is the time to call in. Uh, you can also Skype us. You can Skype us uh, at Ham Talk Live. So uh, give us a call on Skype and uh, join the conversation. Or if you'd rather type, you can uh, tweet us over on Twitter at Ham Talk Live is our handle there. So uh, if you have a question about propagation and, and sunspots, give us a call. And um, by the way, Carl, uh, I've noticed you've been on the uh, AWRL audio news some lately, and my friend Sean Kutzko uh, uh, seems to say your your last name a lot. I think he just likes saying Lutzel Schwab. Yeah. So well, we, a friend of mine mentioned that. Yeah, we, <laughs> for for what it, for what it's worth, we we've kind of Americanized. It, I guess we pro- pronounce it Litzel Schwab, but they even pronounce it different over in Switzerland. So yeah, what the heck. Yeah. So, so what I thought I was uh, do is, is is see if I can outscore Sean and, and by saying Lutzel Schwab more times in the show right. than he does. So, and maybe we'll maybe we'll have a contest. There you uh, go. And and guess the number of times that I said Lutzel Schwab tonight. So I, I don't right. know. I, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we uh, we. Uh we used to see Sean quite a bit when he, of course, he lived in uh, Nineland. But uh, now that he's out at headquarters, uh, we see him at Dayton and maybe some other ham fest, but that's about it. Yeah, he's he's got his uh, hands full of, of all kinds of work out there uh, in Connecticut. So uh, yeah, and I, he's, he he's abandoned us of Nineland. Yeah, he's he's in uh, a lot of islands on the air, right? Yeah, islands yeah. on the air. Yeah, there yeah. we go. And, yeah, he's Maybe a having a lot two. of fun. Yeah, yep. Parker, yeah, he's having lots of fun. All right, 812-NET-HAM-1. 812-638-4261 is the phone number for Carl Lutzelschwab. I got it in there again. Um, what are some, um, while we're waiting on the calls here to come in, um, and questions, again, you can tweet us over at Ham Talk Live on Twitter. Um what are some websites that people could go to uh, to get the solar weather and propagation reports and that kind of thing? Uh, what What are just some website addresses that you would suggest uh, for people to check out? Okay, well, as as one might expect, there are quite a few out there. Um, you know, <clears throat> the AWRL puts out a uh, uh, propagation bulletin every uh, Friday. And it's authored, it's edited by uh, Tad, K7RA. So he talks a lot about uh, uh, the numbers, you know, sunspots, the uh, geomagnetic field indices. And also, uh, most of the time, uh, a lot of reader input. So it's good practical information that uh, you can read there. Of course, if you're a member of the ARRL, you can uh, subscribe to that propagation bulletin for free, and it shows up in your email every week. Uh, of course, CQ Magazine has a CQ co- has a uh, propagation column by Thomas, NW7US. Lots of good info there. 
Now, if you're just looking on the web for some websites, uh, spaceweather.com. Space weather is all one word, dot com. Uh, there are lots of measure, measurements on the left uh, side of their homepage. And in the center is usually a, lots of good discussion on various issues. Uh, one of the ones that has uh, just mucho information is uh, the Space Weather Prediction Center in Boulder, Colorado. Their website is www.swpc.noaa.com. So swpc.noaa.com. And they have lots of measurements, they have models, they have lots of tutorials to help you understand what all these measurements mean. Um, I, believe uh, that's, I believe that's .gov, if I remember right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Down. Yep, yep, it's yeah. .gov. Yep. .gov. Yep. And, and, and apparently we've got some sunspots um, on the line here. We, we, okay. Your, your audio's breaking up a little bit, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, well, okay, maybe it's not sunspots. But. Sunspots, yeah. Maybe yeah, it's a solar. so we apologize for that, but keep on going. We're, we're, we're in good shape here. Okay. Also, www.qrz.com has a little panel. Uh, shows solar terrestrial data. Um, uh, another good site is www.solarham.net. has lots of data. <laughs> and there are many more out there, and uh, I'm sorry if I uh, didn't include maybe some of your favorites, but... Uh, they're all over the place and uh, you know it's kind of like propagation prediction programs they're all the same it's the bells and whistles and how they present the data that's different and that's what I think you'll find with all these websites uh, a lot of common data how they present it and of course that says you'll probably feel more comfortable with maybe a certain website and kind of stick to that yeah, and I, I like to follow Dr. Tamitha Scove, too, over yep. at spaceweather.tv. She does a yep. great yep. job on the visuals and um, some good stuff there, too. So all kinds right. of stuff out there uh, to uh, to take a look at. So those are some, some great resources, and I will uh, put a list of those together and send those out on, on Twitter and Facebook after the show so you can uh, get a hold of those again if you missed those. So um, those will be up on uh, Facebook and Twitter afterwards. Uh, 812-NET-HAM-1 is the phone number, 812-638-4261. Or you can tweet us um, over at uh, Twitter, HamTalkLive, or you can call us on Skype at HamTalkLive if you have a question. Um one other thing that I've always wondered uh, in listening to the W1AW bulletins, we always have the, the, the sunspot numbers at the end. Uh, today's sunspot numbers are, you know, I kind of think it, it's sometimes it's kind of like a, a fortune cookie. You know, your, your lucky numbers for today are 24, 78, you know. Uh, <laughs> What are those sunspot numbers that they they give out on the um, on the W1AW bulletins, and how can we use those to to help figure this stuff out? Okay, yeah, that's a good question, Neil. The uh, those numbers are uh, you know what we observe, and you have to realize that sunspot counting sunspots is subjective. 
you know, humans do it, so there can be biases in there. And, of course, it depends on how good your telescope is, the sky cover, etc. And that's why they use a bunch of observatories to come up with a uh, sunspot number. Hold on here. The cat's getting twisted in the headphone. Here. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, one of the cats is active. But Okay. Uh, so... It's not the first time that's happened no, on the show, right. by the way. Sure. Not. Um, so we, we count sunspots, which which are subjective, but we try and you know get them as, as right as we can. Um, of course, uh, there's another solar parameter. Uh, it's called the 10.7 centimeter solar flux. That is measured, so it's much more of a an objective measurement. And, uh, of course, you have to keep your, you know, the receiver and the uh, calibrated, et cetera, and all that. But still, it's, uh, there's no human interpretation involved. Now, sunspots and the 10.7-centimeter solar flux are proxies uh, for the true ionizing radiation, which is at much, much shorter wavelengths than 10.7-centimeters. Uh, but there are uh, uh, relationships that uh, uh, relate uh, sunspots to 10.7 centimeter solar flux. You'll probably find those on that NOAA.gov website. So we, we use those numbers to get a general picture of what propagation is like. Um, generally, we'd like uh, very high sunspot numbers, very high 10.7 centimeter solar flux, that would make the uh, higher bands like 15, 12, and 10 very good uh, for worldwide communications. And in general, if the sunspot number is greater than about 50 or so, then 10 meters will has a chance of being open. Uh, if the sunspot number is only around 35, it suggests, okay, well, 15 meters at least should be open. Those are some rough numbers, and they also correspond to uh, a solar fluxes. Uh, if the solar flux is greater than about 100, then 10 meters is open. If it's greater than about 90, it's at least 15 meters will be open. So we use those, and of course, this brings us into the uh, propagation prediction programs that are available. <clears throat> there are many of them out there. Uh, there's W6EL prop. It's a free download. Um, and on my website is a tutorial on how to download it and use it and interpret it. Also, the uh, Voice of America program, VOACAP, is also a free download on the website. On uh, uh, Just do a Google search and you'll find uh, uh, that program. It, uh, um, uh, there's a tutorial on my website at k9la.us for how to download it. Uh, set it up and use it and interpret it. Uh, we have to remember that our understanding of the ionosphere is statistical in nature. Uh, unfortunately, a given sunspot number or solar flux number does not map to a unique uh, uh, level of ionization of the ionosphere. So you just have to remember that our predictions are statistical over a month's time frame. And once you understand that, uh, they begin to make sense, and you can do some planning on, uh, you know, what's the best band to talk to, uh, you know, Uncle Joe over there in, in uh, maybe Arizona or something. So uh, 
using the sunspot numbers is it just gives an indication of where what bands might be open. Uh, the lower bands, generally the ionization is always high enough that you don't have to worry about uh, the level of ionization. There's always enough to refract those lower frequencies back to earth. And all you're left with is uh, how much absorption is there. And will it put the signal below your noise, uh, <clears throat> which generally is limited by uh, external noise around you, man-made noise and atmospheric noise. Also in the bulletins are the uh, uh, geomagnetic indices, the K-index and the A-index. The K-index is uh, a three-hour index of how the magnetic field of the Earth is uh, varying or being disturbed. Uh, the A-index is essentially the uh, uh, average of the eight three-hour K-indices. So it tells you uh, if the uh, ionosphere is disturbed or not. In general, we'd like a quiet magnetic field, which means a low A and K indices. But of course, there you know there are always exceptions, and uh, sometimes uh, high A and K indices uh, are useful, like like uh, auroral aurora at VHF frequencies. Uh, sometimes the ionosphere can be enhanced at low latitudes uh, by a, a elevated K indice. So, you know, there, there are some general guidelines to follow, but just understand that it's a very complicated system up there, and uh, a lot of interesting things happen. And the more you know about them, the more you may be prepared to work something that your friends may not work. Carl Lutzelschwab, K9LA, is our guest. You can call in and ask him a question at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. We have just a few minutes remaining, so uh, give us a call on there or on Skype. Give us an audio call, um, or you can tweet us over um, on Twitter at HamTalkLive. Um, one other thing I, I just thought of... Um, Carl is uh, most of the time I'm in a hurry, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm either in a contest or uh, I've got a few minutes to, to check things before I um, go upstairs to the ham shack at school and get the kids on the air. And so I go over to DX Summit or QRZ and, and look at that little you know, band conditions thing and observed and predicted. And, and sometimes it seems like that's accurate and, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, so I'm wondering how much of that is, is just kind of like weather it's, it's predicted. Um, and how much of that is, is pure measurement? Well, most, I think most of it is pure measurement. The, the ionis interestingly, the ionosphere varies uh, on a day-to-day -day basis quite a bit. Um, although solar radiation instigates the uh, ionization process, uh, the condition of the, mag the Earth's magnetic field uh, also comes into play in determining how much ionization there is at a given point, at a given time. And interestingly, we're discovering and, and 
doing much more research in uh, events that happen in the lower atmosphere that couple up to the ionosphere and they have an impact on what the ionization is so uh, you know since we don't understand that that's why we have a statistical model of the ionosphere um, the best way to understand predictions are to to realize that they're probably a me- monthly median value, in, a, in other words, kind of almost like an average over a month's time frame. So on any given day within that month's time frame, uh, it could be uh, you know uh, ten to thirty percent different, ten percent higher to thirty percent lower. So it's tough to predict propagation at, on a very short-term basis. In other words, you know what's happening today. We we just don't have it yet. Um, of course, there's lots of work by uh, you know the military, etc., on in jet in um, taking measurements from ionosons and and total electron content from GPS systems and. Uh, assimilate that into a model to try and get a more up-to-date picture. Uh, I'm sure we'll see more and more to that. And I know uh, many universities are working on physical models of the ionosphere and the atmosphere, well, the atmosphere really, that will hopefully give us, you know, what's the ionosphere doing right now. Um, I find the best way to go find out how the bands are doing is, uh, you know, I, I, listen, I, I uh, monitor a packet cluster you know, it shows, uh, you know, stations spot other stations. And that gives me a general, a good idea what the band is doing now, right now. On the higher bands, there are also the IARU NCDXF beacon system, where in a three-minute period, uh, you could assess worldwide propagation on a given band because there are 18 uh, beacons scattered all throughout the world. So that'll give you a good idea what's going on on 20, 17, 15, 12, and 10 meters. Unfortunately, we don't have anything on the lower bands. Uh, yes, but well, maybe someday we will. But there are ways to assess, uh, you know, short-term what the bands are like. But those predictions you see on all the websites are, uh, you know, just general and realize that maybe... Uh, one band up or down could really be what's happening. Uh, we're, uh, you know, just based on the predictions. All right, very good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We're just about out of time, so want to want to thank you for doing that. And uh, I will get those uh, websites up uh, online here after the show. So uh, that is wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. I'd like to thank my guest Carl Lutzelschwab, K9LA, and everyone out there in cyberspace for listening and calling in, and invite you all back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time when Richard Garriott DeCayu, W5KWQ, will be here to talk about operating ham radio from space and his new book called Explore Create. Richard was one of the first space tourists on the International Space Station. 
And uh, the old-timers like me may remember his father, Owen, W5LFL, who was an astronaut on Skylab and uh, the space shuttle and was the first to operate ham radio from space. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about uh, his dad as well. And uh, for a list of all of our upcoming guests, visit hamtalklive.com and just click on the link there. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375. And as always, may the good DX be yours. Seven three and good luck from Ham Talk Live.